welcome to the Video Game Hour. I'm Tavit. And I'm Yusef. And uh, today, uh, the video game of the hour will be Her Story. Her by, Story. Uh, Sam Barlow of UK fame and origin, <laughs> I assume. Famous origin. Um, yeah, so we're... But first, let's talk about what, we, what we've been playing. We've both been playing a little Splatoon. Oh, gosh, yes. I love it. Yes. Um, Splatoon. I haven't pl- I, yeah, it's been a bit since it came out, um, but... I really enjoyed my time with it. I think it's a great game. I I love that. I love the Nintendo gun. Oh god, Duck yeah, gun the gun. zapper gun. <laughs> the zapper. Yeah. Um, oh, is that your favorite weapon? I got really used to it. But I, at a certain point, I had to move move away because it was getting. I was getting crushed. Yeah, certain. I think it's kind of why I start. I stopped playing it as much as I like. I just like had more trouble. I just there were, everyone was so much better. Sure, people just got so much better. Sure, and then it kind of got to the point where I was just kind of grinding against enemy or other players who were way better than I was. And I was like, this is a fine. I think it was actually the last time I played it was the um, the la- the big the first big update up our weekend where they kind of do the two sides. Oh yes. So I did the cats versus dogs. Yeah, the Splatfest. Versus, yeah. yeah, and I was like, obviously pick cats. Oh, you're a cat. That's right. That's right. And then I was a dog. It was funny because I felt like it was like there was some weird the balancing got all messed up because of having to pick sides. You basically had to fill a team with people on your side, even if no one was available in your time zone in your IP. Or, oh, you they know. did that. Well, that's the only way it would work. You couldn't have you couldn't fight with a dog on your oh, team. I thought it was that you just elected to give your like vote to that side. Oh no, no, and you get like a you had to pick the side. And that was all you were playing for wow. that event. I just, yeah, I thought that it was yeah. like every, oh, anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, it, it just like, I, there were just so many balancing error, like issues where like I would just be, start a game and then we would be stuck in our spawn yeah. zone, which is the worst when you're just yeah. like stuck there and you're just like, But oh. you are invincible while you're standing on your spawn point. Yes, but what good does it do if you're you, losing the whole time? That's true, that's true. I guess my competitive spirit got the best of me, you know? Interesting. I always try and, and, and approach these games unanimous, or magnanimously, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where I'm just like, okay, you know, I'm just here for the fun. I'm bigger I'm than this. Trying, I'm just having fun, guys. Yeah. But something inside of me always gets the better of me where I'm just like, I can't have fun if I'm not winning. That's so funny. You know, I'm, I'm about to give a speech uh, or like a talk at my company. That about, you can't have fun if you're not winning. About the, <laughs> <laughs> about the power of play. And one of the kind of analogies that I'm going to bring up is, you know, my girlfriend, Jess, she's a yoga teacher. And she always gets this hilarious response. She goes, oh, to someone who, like, is talking to her, asks her what she does. And she's like, I'm a yoga teacher. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, I was super interested in trying yoga, but, you know, I'm really not flexible. And she turns to them and she'll always be like, but yoga is the cure for not being flexible. Like, if you do yoga, you become more flexible. I find this really interesting thing as a game maker and as a game player uh, that... I find that some people will be like, oh, yeah, I don't play video games. I'm too competitive. Mm. And I always think that, I always think those people is like, wouldn't the experience of playing games in this, like, you know, totally suspended experience where nothing actually matters, yeah. like, wouldn't that help you maybe move around your, like, need for winning or, you know, yeah. aversion to competition? But I don't know. Your experience has not been as such. I don't know. It's hard to say because ultimately... I still enjoy playing these competitive games. I just get to a point where I stop playing them. I can't just play them. Some people you can't can, play. Some moves. people can play Street Fighter for their whole lives. Yeah, you know? and some people do. Plenty of people do. Mm-hmm. And it's a great game. 
but you know, I went through my little period when I, at my old job, we were just play Street Fighter every day after work, and then like at some point, I just started really hating every moment of it, <laughs> and just because had, you were losing, or because it just wasn't giving you the fun anymore. It was giving me, it was still giving me the fun, but when I lost, I just felt really upset. Sure. Like it's because it's funny when you say like because games obviously are meaningless because well, they're, in, they're in, a pastime I, what I mean is like you're, you're, not, you're not fighting for yeah, you're your not life physically, or you're, you're not, not physically defending yourself yeah, but you're not losing in your mind like, in your mind it takes creatures or whatever exactly but it takes this like really like powerful like part of your brain like you're still like existing in that world it's sure. still like say Ender's Game or whatever where yeah, like it yeah. feels real and and um, I think that's the point of it it's like you kind of it, it's as real as you let it be sure and some people are better at controlling how real it is. Huh. Essentially. Yeah, I find that you know, with a game like Splatoon, I've really enjoyed it, particularly because it doesn't act a lot like any other competitive shooter I've ever played before or not played before. Because I I have not played a lot of competitive shooters. What I love about it is that there's no chat, right? I never have to hear a 14 year old who just nerfed me and is calling me all sorts of terrible racist or homophobic things. That's perfect. That's, That's great. great. Yeah. One, two, the strategies of the game. And the strategies of your team members are immediately apparent just at a glance. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one of the things I love the most about Splatoon is, like, you see the weapon loadout of your team at the beginning of each match. You're like, that, there's two rollers on my team, yeah. there's one sniper on my team, and there's me with the 52 gal ready to just go, yeah. like, hard to the front. I go to the paint every time. I yeah. go right up front. This is your um, style. It's my style. Yeah. And what's amazing is you can physically see, because of the level design and because of the strategy of the game where your team is divided up based on that big map on the gamepad. Um, so what I love about the game is that it's immediately perceivable. It's legible strategy without communication, without verbal communication. And that's cool to me. Um, much like the game I'll talk about in a minute. But that has made it really accessible for me. Absolutely. I think that's absolutely true. I think it's, uh, it's interesting, I mean, just for, as an anecdote, my fiance played played it more than I did. Oh, interesting! She really, really liked I it. I gotta play with her, man. I'd love to play with Vivian. Yeah, yeah. she she really enjoyed it. Um, and like, that was interesting to me <laughs> because it's like, I could never see her like picking up Call of Duty or yeah, and going hard on yeah, some terrorist fools or whatever. Like, yeah, it's just like it's not even though functionally mechanically it's the same. It's just the, it's just the 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 context that it exists in. Like like you said, the the, the lack of chat being able to and everyone looking like cute little yeah. weird squid kids yeah and not actually being hurt by you're just getting splatted like yeah. just like every aspect of the world they built makes it into this like really um comforting experience yeah for being a competitive shooter it's just like a really cool way to to kind of absolutely reassign I, that i must push back slightly though because i don't think it mechanic i don't agree that it mechanically is identical to a game like Call of Duty or whatever. It's not, yeah. Because I think certainly. the thing that I really also love about it is that, like you mentioned as well, I, I don't think you'll disagree with me. It's like, it's not about killing or splatting your enemies. In fact, the best strategy in a game like in, in this unique game, Splatoon, because I don't think there are any other games like it, is area control, mm -hmm. right? The whole, the only win condition is having more paint on either the whole map or a specific area of the map than your opponent's team. Yeah. So what I love is that, that it completely decentralizes the concept that death is the way to victory. Death of your opponent 
is your only path to victory. And what I love is, yes, splatting, killing, popping whatever your opponents does produce a big burst of paint, which helps the primary objective of covering the ground in paint. But I've seen players that have never jumped into the fray. Like like I said, I'm I'm a charge forward. I'm the 52 gal configuration, which is like a mid-range, high uh, spray amount. Like, it expels its ink very quickly. And I also use the... Like a shotgun, the, basically. Yeah. It's kind of like a... It's like a... It's like a it's like a spread gun. Mm-hmm. It's like a mid-range. Yeah. Shotgun is short range. I think it's like a mid-range. Sure. Not long range by any measure. No. Um, but it also has... It comes with the um, the little rat-shaped grenade thing that tracks forward until it hits an oh, object yeah. or explodes. Mm-hmm. And I'll just... I'll literally... I'll throw one of those out at the beginning of the match and I'll swim in its ink trail until oh, I'm nice. really close to the front of combat and I'm just like on the line. Yeah. And like... That's what my play style. But it, it, anyway... I just I love it. I'm so no. I mean I I see. Your, I take your point, though. I also think that it's interesting because the game somehow really reminded reminded me of Dota when I was playing. Interesting. It. That makes sense too. That yeah. absolutely. It almost has like a real time strategy element to it. Absolutely. I absolutely. Th- I mean, yeah. it's interesting because, like you said, it's about map control, and Dota is also about map control. It is. And Dota. Sorry. With Dota is a game where you have three lanes, um, two bases, two teams of uh, five people each and when you and the the point of the game is to destroy the other person's base yep and and in the way there are towers that you have to destroy otherwise you won't be able to get to the base so essentially you're kind of pushing forward slowly along with your mpc um smaller computer controlled uh allies that will help you push forward into the other team's base and attack their towers and you have like it becomes very evident when one team has more map control yeah, than the other. Totally. Because one team has more vision than the other. One team has more uh, areas where they can sneak up on you. They have more, just a more strategic advantage. Yeah. Which is, doesn't that sound familiar to yeah, Splatoon? Actually, no, it really does. It, I, it's I think like you really bring up interesting. a wonderful point. Dota, League of Legends, these kinds of yeah. competitive real-time strategy games, yeah. team-based, they, they feel very much like Splatoon. Yeah, and then... It's a unique, unique category. Um, it's just it's MOBAs, a, yeah. right? They're called MOBAs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just interesting that that's like there's that similarity because those games are so incredibly competitive and full of people who what hate the American each other. team that first that the first time an American team won uh, an international championship just this past week uh, six million dollar prize paid out to an American team for Dota. Wow. Yeah, Dota two or something like that. I have not been paying attention. Yeah, to yeah. That, that was the first American that's team to win. Cool, I guess. Yeah. Um, America. Good job, American teams. Way to go, American game. hyper-competitive dudes. <laughs> yeah, um, totally. So it's like it's kind of funny, and but you still have to. What I don't know in, in Dota and in Splatoon, while killing is not the point of the game, when you kill the other player, you then can take advantage yes, of that. It does create an advantage. Of advantage. Kind of, um, it's like a power vacuum. Of space or a power play for the hockey for the hockey <laughs> analogy, it's like a power play. Yeah, you've eliminated one of the players from the other team for a short while. Yeah, and you can kind of take advantage of that and get a bulkhead or a beachhead. Yep. that you can then put like you know use to push forward into their territory. Totally. So there's some like pretty high level strategy that there. Are, going yeah, there's a, there is a meta game to Splatoon, and I love it. I, and it's funny because I've never been a competitive shooter player. I've actually never been a competitive online player. But Splatoon is one game that's really got me, and the other game that I've been playing recently has really got me as well. I think Splatoon, I'm enjoying it more uh, because I'm 
bought in and I'm leveled up or whatever. But there's this other game called Rocket League, which is incredibly popular right now, which is essentially soccer uh, or uh, football, uh, European football, with like rocket-propelled, remote-controlled cars or cars, right? You're in a big arena. You push a giant, even bigger ball, metal ball, around this arena and try to score a football or soccer goal with your car. The car can jump. The car has rocket boost. That's the whole fucking game. And again, mm-hmm. it adheres to these basic principles of now this newly burgeoning category of online competitive games Todd loves, which is <laughs> no chat. Yeah. And immediately legible strategy. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah, yeah. You get hit the ball into the You hit hole. a button, yeah. and the camera's now glued to the ball. You hit hmm. the same button, now you're on free camera control. Hmm. Accelerate, brake, jump, boost. Oh, I just discovered there's a power slide button. Meta game, <laughs> but it's so simple. Yeah, like you said, boot the ball into the goal. Yeah, get your team point. Have more points than other team. Yeah, game so over. So simple. It's like the the perfect concept of, or the the concept of a game that's easy to learn, difficult to master. Exactly. Which exactly. is always what you're aiming for in a multiplayer game. Yeah. Because then everybody can immediately start playing and have some grasp of it. But then you can also keep playing and get better and better and have like pleasure in that. And maybe it's my personality's specific aversion to any sort of fear of like competition or whatever. Like I don't mind losing. I've never, I've never ever minded losing in yeah. games, in arguments, in life, whatever. And in that same way, I had a friend over just last night who was like, "Oh man, Rocket League. Oh, I can't even play this game. I get too stressed out." And I hand him the controller. He's like, "Give me the controller." So I handed the controller. Guy scored like four goals in mm-hmm. like the is opening minute. He scored. It was incredibly good. This guy is like a monster, right? And I'm looking at the guy and I'm like, "All right, why do you not like playing this game?" Because I will regularly go four games only scoring one goal, and I'm having a blast. I'm like laughing and like free. I'm like, oh, just like hooting at my own team. I'm yeah. hooting at other. The other team, good job, guys. yeah. When the other team scores a really good goal, I kind of like. I'm like, yeah. Like now, I've seen a fun thing happen. Like they must be really happy. So in that same way, like, and the matches are only five minutes long, which yeah. is such a good move, right? Yeah. Like Splatoon's oh, yeah. like oh, yeah. Splatoon three or also does a really whatever good. three I love or four the, minutes I love long. The way Splatoon does it. Man alive! Like that's it. Just short. Game. Right, maybe that's the third rule of competitive yeah. Yeah. online games. Top gloves. Absolutely. No chat. Legible strategy, visual, visually legible strategy, and short game session. Yeah. Oh my gosh, man. Yeah, no, I actually. I wait I, less than a minute to get into a game. Have you played Nidhogg at all? I, my, Mark Essen is my good friend. There my, you go. He, in fact, in fact, if you want a little piece of game trivia, Nidhogg was uh, conceived of while Mark was renting my second bedroom out here in this very apartment. Well, there you yeah. go. Nidhogg was uh, one of the many projects. Yeah. Mark's amazing. And Nidhogg is great as well. It's like very legible. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Very deep combat system. Very deep. I hate that but people sometimes... But also very superficial. I mean, like, yeah. not super, superficially accessible. No, accessible, yeah, accessible. It's completely accessible. Yeah. Stab yeah, high, very, stab yeah. medium, yeah, stab low. Few, and you don't even have to do that. You, you don't have to jump over them and start running. force your way through <laughs> that shit. Yeah, no, Nidhogg's a fantastic example. And it's and very I, short. I yeah. think that there's... A strange kind of, not even strange. There's a resurgence of these like simple, yeah. repeatable online multiplayer or offline multiplayer experiences. Like, uh, what is that? Not Swords Quest. Well, Samurai Gun. Uh, Samurai Gun. Towerfall. Towerfall. That's what it yeah. was. Towerfall. Where it's like, yeah, we get it. Like, 
you know, Angry Birds style pull back and release, propel, you know, propulsion of my projectile, movement, jump, yeah. physics, done. Yeah. I'm in an arena, I shoot a single arrow, that's the game. Yeah. Got it. Awesome. So yeah, that's that's what I've been playing. I gotta, I gotta play with you. Yeah, we I, should play some Rocket I League. I look forward to, to playing that. I have it downloaded, ready to go. It's very fun. So. Yeah, it, it's super easy to, to grab up. But I can't chat with you? Can't chat with me. Damn, we can always hard. open up a Skype or something if we needed to, you know, brute force a chat into the mix. That's the one thing that I had trouble with, with Splatoon. <laughs> oh, no chat. Because I do appreciate it on a... And many levels, and many like levels of that argument of that like sure. chat makes this into a whole different game. Yes, absolutely. But then, if you ever want to play with somebody, you're kind of screwed because like if you try and play with them in Splatoon, for example, you'll play with them maybe, or you'll just play against them, and you're like, why yep. am I doing this? Well, now they just released the in the new patch. You can do matchmaking, like actual yeah. control. Oh, so you can like stay in the same so like, team. I want to play with Yusef. Yeah. And we're going to be on I don't want to play against you. So. Yeah, exactly. So we can do that. We should try so that. That's good. We should try that and we should set up a Skype. Yeah, we should see, see how, how that works. Yeah. But I mean, I do also I do also totally understand the argument where like, if say one team is all voice chatting and the other team oh, are all not, then you can get some really shitty one-sided games. I wonder though. Because I wonder if coordination oh, totally would can. actually hurt a game. like Because check so? it out. What if a team fully coordinated to all be in one place of the map to strike together, yeah. they wouldn't be covering the real estate of the map in the non-ranked matches, right? It might help them in a ranked match where you're trying to control a specific yeah. area, but in unranked matches, it may actually create a weird disadvantage because then the rest of the team is just, the rest of the other team is just like hidden throughout the map, like coloring. That would be thing. an interesting thing. It would be an interesting test. To, to test. Yeah. And see what the results were. Yeah. Because in a lot of a lot of games like that and a lot of shooter games that are more traditional yeah when you ever oh, like, go up against a everything. team that's coordinated you're screwed that's yeah. just it like you know yeah. even in a game like Dota or League of Legends like well, they're, if they're talking to each other, to each other like, communication's you, a necessity in a game like Dota from everything yeah. I understand I've never played it but I mean it almost make, it makes Splatoon that much more of an accomplishment yeah that they can have this game with no communication and you still are very legibly able to see what the other team is or what you're doing yep what the other team is doing, what your strategy strategy should be, how you fill in like a gap. Oh, and it's one of the things that Nintendo yeah. has always done the best. They defy convention. It feels very like they destroy, novel for them. Though, yeah, too. it is. Yeah. It is novel for them. And a solid rest in peace. That was the last game that Satoru Iwata yeah. uh, Iwata son ever executive produced. It's That's a huge a, it's achievement. Like, huge I mean, achievement. And it's actually, I think, it's put them back in the black in terms of their uh, company's performance. Wow. They've sold millions of units. I think they outsold, uh, or maybe they didn't outsell Mario Kart because of the bundles, the console bundles, but they've sold, it's one of the fastest releases sold for the Wii U, period. Wow. Oh man, rest in peace. Um, All right, so uh, her story. Yeah. Sam Barlow. Sam Barlow, yeah. So uh, first, I kind of wanted to, to talk about like do like a heavy spoiler mo- mode and just talk about what we think happens in this. Just but going but right first, into it. let me just explain the game for anyone who hasn't played it. It's like uh, it's basically a a FMV game, a full motion video game. All you're doing in the game is watching a video of a woman being interviewed by police. You are given a database that you can search Google style that is contains keywords or. Anything she says in the interviews are mapped as keywords, which you can then search. But you can only you can only see the first five things 
uh, the, the five results, no matter how many results a certain keyword will produce, which is what allows the game to have its pacing. You basically search for a term or a combination of terms and uncover, uncover whatever story there is by searching for these terms. They bring up the video clips, you watch them, you save them, you take notes maybe, which I did. Yep. And um, It's yeah. a super cool thing. It's, it's also like when I booted it up for the first time, it felt like an actual, like it was an old school computer. Yeah, the presentation like, great. Yeah, it was like early yeah. 90s or maybe even late, well, I think early 90s yeah. uh, style interface. And Very you're Windows like 95. This, yeah, you're yeah. almost like police intranet like computer where this, someone has set you up with all the files pertaining to this murder. Yeah, and you so don't know who cool. you yeah. are. Like the first time the yeah. game boots up, you'd yeah. like have the search query window yeah. open, which is really cool. And there's already murder typed in as the first keyword. I really like that a lot. And um, so you're saying that you'd like to... So basically, like, yeah, um, there's little applets like all throughout this fake computer where it's like the database tracker, which tracks how many uh, video clips you've actually found and like the total list. And there's like a trash bin that's got like a little game hidden in it, like an Othello game uh, or reverse as some people call it. Um, those like flipping hmm. tile games. That's you never in figure the trash. out. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, it's it's a great. It's like as a, a classic as far as game. game works. So there's like a mini game within it, and yeah, there's like you said, interrogation with these uh, with this uh, woman. Yeah. So and you were I, saying you want to go right into interpretations yeah. of the story because guys, this is like, I feel like this game was very much in also that category of like a visual novel, mm -hmm. uh, but very visual, right? Like full motion video, obviously, like you said, um, but it it really was very much just about this like this case or like this murder that's going down so you, let's you're yeah. saying let's go outside in let's go from the plot to the to the end absolutely so what I, did yeah, you, I also what did you, I just wanted to know that you don't uh, know who you are oh yeah, you yeah start you playing don't know it. who you are yeah um, you're given a note by somebody named SB in the beginning of the game and uh, you but your own character even though what's cool is every now and then you'll see reflections of yourself in the monitor when a fluorescent light pops in the old school police office or whatever, <laughs> or a library that you're you're viewing this footage in, yeah. so that, that was an interesting element. That was like, very cool. That was very not cool. knowing your player until later in the story. Yeah, which we can talk about. Well, sure. So, like, what did you think? What was your interpretation of the story? So, uh, you know, the, first off, with the with seeing the murder, you get a you get the idea that, or seeing the murder keywords, you get the idea that there's a woman named Hannah and her husband Simon and she is talking to the police after he has disappeared and been presumably murdered and that's pretty much all the information you have to go sure, off yeah. on yeah. Um, and so little by little like you kind of start to uncover uh, pieces of the story you get to see that uh, some of the early stuff that I found was related to maybe Simon drinking a little bit or being a little bit uh, adulterous in his uh in his character, like he, he liked blondes, he liked uh, going to the local pub and maybe the barmaid a little bit too much, and you kind of get hints that she's already a little jealous of his activities, sure. which kind of gives you like a, a very like primitive and basic mo motive for like and that like painted you know. your intro experience. Yes. But like, so what, yeah. what was the story that you put together? Like, I mean, not we both played it. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I just want to put up like, oh, of course, yeah, I want to like kind of paint up like yeah, yeah. how like my yeah like kind of my experience uncovering oh, the story no doubt, no doubt. sorry no that's fine just cut to the chase <laughs> not at all no it's great to actually paint the picture because it is it's like, so important it's to like how you play the game woman's yeah. acting which is really yeah. a testament to her performance yeah you yet. never hear the police that who are interviewing yeah. her or anybody else like she's the only character she's very economical and like kind of interesting mm -hmm. um so yeah you ultimately what you come to understand is that 
while she seems like it's one woman, actually two women are being interviewed, and they're twins. Yeah, they're twins, right. And they uh, both have had a relationship with Simon, and the, the, his murder, which, you, which is detailed, like, part, part way through, you kind of, it, it kind of comes out that it's a result of, of, their, of their jealousy between each other. Sure. Yeah. Um, the other twins' name is Eve. Their story is that when uh, when Hannah was born, she was a twin. Uh, the the second twin, Eve, came out later and was presumed dead, but the midwife took her home, and having never been able to have a child, and I think being a single woman, uh, maybe her husband had died, I believe, she took uh, Eve home with her and raised her as her own daughter. The weird thing is she took her home and raised her across the street from where Hannah grew up, which seems a little suspect, <laughs> like how the parents never figured this part out. Yeah. But essentially, they yeah. never saw their never twin baby. Never, ever saw another, her baby across the street in somebody else's house. Yeah, growing up. Um, Jesus. But the children found out, uh, and they kind of grew close because they were the same person, and that might twins, make you, yeah, yeah uh, the same looking person, that might make you get a little close to somebody. And they... Uh, saw each other across the street and would uh, would say hi to each other, wave at each other. There's a cool scene where she kind of talks, or Eve talks about Hannah being her reflection, and she would it'd be like, why is my reflection moving differently than I am? Because she's looking out the window and seeing like her reflection across the street. Yeah. Ultimately, um, uh, the mother of Eve, the, the midwife, dies. She falls on the stairs, I believe. Yeah. Um, it's supposedly, yeah, it's open for interpretation. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, there's like many layers to this thing. Absolutely, like, I'm just trying so to like, like lay out. <laughs> they, forget even. I mean, I feel like there were twins. Yeah, I, there's many points that are so blurry. Like I thought in my experience that the uh, midwife had actually reported the baby is stillborn, but yeah, did it intentionally to yeah. keep her. I, I think that's herself. probably true. Like um, she wouldn't have done it otherwise. And I think they, you know? yeah, like you're saying, they grew up, they saw each other, they formed a bond. I think at some point the midwife moved in with the parents and hid the kid in the attic or some shit? I think, well, from my introduction was, was that Eve went, uh, she ran, or she, she didn't run, maybe she left after the midwife yeah, died. Yeah, fell down the stairs, i.e. Yeah. maybe Eve yeah, killed her. she was gone, out of the picture. Because and later the parents, the biological parents, do die as yes. well, and I think one or the other of them kill the parents. Yeah, I feel like these like homicidal twins have been killing their way through life. That's very like likely. Helping each other do their shit. But before I put any carpet with the horse... Well, I mean, yeah. The whole thing... The thing <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah. So, yeah. So. Yes, anyway. Eve moves in with Hannah. Uh, and however she gets there, she lives in the attic. Um, and is kind of locked away. The parents never find out about her. And she speaks with Hannah on via some kind of, like, kind of... They, they create a system of talking to each other by knocking in the pipes, like a knock system, which yeah, is kind of like Morse code. And... Uh, are able to communicate and see each other while all under the, the eyes of the parents. They grow up together. They become teenagers. They start getting in. Uh, they start getting involved with boys. Yep. They both have similar tastes in boys and share them and pretend and uh, kind of share their. Um, Hannah always grew up a little bit more of a prude, though. Eve yes. was easier. Eve was to, the one like, who would. Guys and, who would like, seduce the, the, the guy or, yeah, or, exactly. or approach or, or pursue yeah. the guy. But they eventually got into sharing, except when Hannah met Simon and mm -hmm. fell in love with Simon, and they got married. Mm -hmm. And um, at that point, uh, Eve was li still living in the attic mm -hmm. of this, now that their parents had 
suspiciously passed away um mm. they also died um i feel like there's these like murderous <laughs> twins who like obviously they've been separated at birth and also put back to live across the street from each other yeah <laughs> and like had some i mean doesn't leave it's, the it's, it's some hollywood which, in fact yeah. like when when it first like, in my experience of playing the game i i played the game on an ipad instead of a pc like it, it was released on multiple platforms mm-hmm. and i had the experience of playing it in like 25 minute or so sessions yeah uh while i was uh taking the train to and from work and it was an interesting way to consume it i, I actually really liked it i liked it that way um because i got to basically use it just like an offline search, like an intranet thing. So it's it's basically Google the game, right? Yeah, like, a, a very keyword, limited Google. Yeah, very limited Google the game. Like Google from like 1994, yeah. 1992-ish. Um, limited keyword Google shit, text transcripts of the clips. And in those 25 minutes, very early on, I had found like one, like the timestamps were like very similar, but there were there was Hannah with like a bruise and one mm-hmm. Hannah without a bruise and it was like in the same basically in like the same like 12 hours I was mm-hmm. like how did that bruise go away so yeah. I was like keywording bruise and all that sort of stuff and I finally found a clip that was like longer than usual the clips yeah. range from like like on average was probably like 45 to a minute because there were two minute clips and there were like 10 second clips mm-hmm. and a lot of both of those but this like minute and a half clip that was basically like her admitting to like being the twin or like telling mm-hmm. the story of like growing up as the the, the twin like the part that you said with the stillborn yeah. reference and stuff so I got that really early on yeah. and it was it reminded me a lot in the moment of like you know I'm like a mid-game Christopher Nolan fan like yeah. I really liked uh, what was it The Prestige mm-hmm. like that's like one of my that's like probably my favorite Christopher Nolan uh, film so like very early on I was already like in my imagination like bracing myself for this idea that like one form of magic or a way that she could be in two places at once or doing two things at once was that she was two people at (laughs) once and that you know it it was cool because in that moment I was really realizing that like this game is as flexible as like my ability to like ask it simple keyword questions Mm -hmm. and it was a great like mechanic it was a great repeated mechanic of just like having 25 minutes to just like delve into this weird weird multifaceted story that was kind of outlandish and crazy Absolutely. like if, if everything I assumed about it was true it was kind of a crazy story so I, I really enjoyed being like okay like what's going on yeah. with Hannah and Eve like it's, all right. it's fun I mean, what employ- can I discover it, in 20, 20 minutes well, it employs a lot of the, the tropes of thriller uh, kind of police drama fiction like the cheesiest of the tropes but sure. because of the way it's, it's uh, you're uncovering it and you're just looking at this kind of gray box that yeah. you get to push and, pro- and probe and and it gives to your you know your prodding and that makes it so much more uh, kind of vivid yeah uh, an the, experience like the hour and a half or so of footage that they actually had in this game if it even was that much footage that they put in this mm-hmm. game like it was probably closer to an hour honestly yeah I think it was around probably that, closer to but, an hour yeah. but the hour of footage that they put together for this game was way more interesting than watching a linear television story oh yeah. Um, it's like NCIS, yeah, yeah, but, but like, like but it also like worked really yeah. well as a kind of wonderful synchronicity between its form and function. Like it's telling you it's this old police terminal and it's got this investigation on it, and so you go in with your imagination layer primed, and then the whole game is restricted to that pseudo fiction. It's a wonderful marriage. It's like a lidologist mm-hmm. and story game lover's dream. Like mm. it relies on fiction and it relies on its core game mechanic to reveal itself. But the interesting thing is as well, it's like it's not really asking you in the end for any 
de- declaration of like what you think the truth is. Sorry, we haven't even gotten no, to the yeah, yeah, story. No, yeah, yeah, I know. It's like, but it's, it, it's it, no, all it's, wrapped it's, up in it for me. It's, 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 it is wrapped asynch- up. It, well, and look, I mean, in a podcast way, in the way we're talking about it yeah. and the way we experience it, Google it's end of the story for the podcast or to get to the end of the story. It's not, it's <laughs> not, um, it's not told in a linear fashion, you know? It's by yeah, nature, yeah, the yeah, way yeah. you're searching yeah. and seeing it, like those 60 minutes of footage are broken down into completely nonsensical and... Yeah, I think it's actually a really great challenge to like kind of ludologist um, expectations even because while because in some ways like it is an experimental form and like and and delivery like I feel like a strict ludologist somebody approaching a game as a test of challenge yeah Yeah. like it would kind of be disappointed by the game's the the game not ever having a win state or or yeah not, not or yeah win state or rewarding you in some way for your perseverance for how you play it, how you approach it. Like, the reward is all internal, you know? Like, the game is not... The reward was, like, the piece of UI that showed you when a new video clip that you hadn't oh, yeah. seen yet yeah, appeared in like, your search mark, results. Yeah. Like, that, to me, became the, like, moment of victory. It was, mm-hmm. like, I just uncovered a clip, yeah. be it five seconds or be it a minute and 20 seconds long, that, like, I had not yet seen. Yeah. And then when you open up that database tracking app, like a little yellow light will fill in one of like 200 squares or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And like, our, I mean, that might even be too many squares, like a, a bunch of squares. So like, it's, it, that, it's pure and it's not adorned with like achievements or no. progression tracking. I mean, no, it it's is very, progression it's, tracking. But it's very it simple. Progression it's very, tracking, it's, but it's very simple. And it's not, it's not treating you like a person playing a game. Let's see how last episode we were talking about like, simple joys of something like desert golfing where it's like the reward yeah. is getting to that next scene yeah. you know getting to see that like what ha- what is the next what does next hole look like you yeah. know like kind of getting you're like you're driven by a very simple well, in a way it's um, a perfect and pleasure you know it's, in, in a way it's a perfect role-playing experience yeah you like for me it was touch the app in my ipad you know yeah. and then all of a sudden i'm in this computer screen and my commands are right there on screen the only break in my personal experience was that ugly Apple keyboard appearing every time I wanted to do a text query. But mm-hmm. like otherwise, I'm in the experience. If I played it on PC, I'd have the clack of my own keys matching the really great and simple sound design in the oh, game. Oh, yeah, that's great. Really, oh. really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually, like you were saying, the fluorescence will start to flash or like a police car will go outside mm-hmm. of the location that I, the person on the other side of the screen, is. Um, it's a great located. sense of presence. And yeah, and it'll reflect and all of a sudden you realize that like for a minute, and I noticed it very early on, the reflection was also the face of the woman on the screen of mm-hmm. Hannah and Eve, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I'm either Hannah or Eve, yeah. or someone Both of like Hannah them, and yeah. Eve, right? Like, it's like gotta be." And so, sorry. No, to continue the story, um, you or we have Hannah and Eve basically living together in the in uh, the house where I think her parents had died, right? Yep. And Hannah meets Simon, or they both meet Simon. But yeah. I think it was Hannah this time Hannah who actually pursued Simon. Yeah, pursued, like, for the first time. Yeah. Or not for the first time, but, like... It was maybe one of the, the more time. notable yeah. times when, yeah, she pursued Simon, and she didn't want to share him with Eve. Right away, she said that she that she wanted Simon for herself. And and uh, I mean, for, and Eve, originally, in the beginning, did abide by this and kind of let them... Uh, began their relationship which kind of seemed like a tumultuously skyrocketed like into like a, a marriage because of Hannah getting pregnant yeah Hannah got right pregnant. in the beginning and it was and a miscarriage Eve couldn't get pregnant yeah 
so she was already he already felt that bitter sting of you know being of like not being able to one share Simon and two uh, have a baby with him, but of course it was taken away because the because uh, Hannah was not able to supposedly give birth to the baby. Uh, but by that by that point, Hannah and Simon had already had already uh, gotten married, and I believe moved in together. Um, this part I was a little hazy about. I think. Um, Hannah moved out with Simon. Yeah, Eve, yeah. Eve moved out. Or yeah, Hannah moved out with Simon. Eve I think Eve Eve stayed in their parents' house. Their parents place, yeah. Um, so, and that so. was kind of like their their major split. And this is kind of I think they're nineteen twenty years old yeah. maybe. Um, Marital bliss and strife sets in. Yeah. At some point, uh, Simon goes out and sees Eve, but in a wig mm-hmm. that she would use when she's out in public, you know, performing. Yeah. Uh, like you know, songs or you know, drunk covers or whatever at this pub that Simon would frequent. And Simon and Eve strike up a relationship. And Simon immediately, like, you know, is so fascinated by the experience but doesn't place that they're related Mm. or that they're twins. Just like, this is such a crazy experience. You look just like my wife. They start an affair. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And I think Eve gets pregnant by Simon. Yes. That is what I came away with. And Hannah lost the baby. Yeah. But then a but then Eve got pregnant. Yeah. And there were all sorts of dynamics going on as they got And Eve had been this, at this time trying to have a baby yeah. through any means. Like she, she was, was like, said she was sleeping around just in order to like get a baby because she was so like focused on on maybe matching Hannah's well, achievements. Yeah. Each other. They talked for a while about how they would match each other's injuries or yeah. if they like one lost a tooth, the other one would have to yank the tooth out and like mm-hmm. all this stuff growing up and like reinforcing it's a fucked up total again like feels like mid-game Chris Nolan mm-hmm. like between Memento and Prestige kind of shit I also got I, I want to talk about it later but I, want, I got a lot of Lynch vibes oh you got Lynchian vibes like what kind um, of Lynch vibes well this folk I mean he always has an interesting thing about um, the undercurrent of like creepy evil that that that, that exists underneath like a normally idyllic life, lifestyle um, that's true and a also, lot of video clips were devoted to just like the yeah. boss and like the and their basics it was kind of like a total a, yeah. fucking divergence yeah, yeah exactly it was a patsy it was some bullshit yeah. and like you go chasing it and you get this sense of like there was a set up set mm-hmm. like you know story of domestic bliss and off bliss like yeah. the normal throes of like a boring it marriage it felt like basically. a very simple boring marriage yeah, yeah. and like, then well, maybe there was an affair maybe no no not really there was an affair there was an affair but, but not, not you not think the, yeah, yeah. No, sorry I not guess, with the yeah, boss the boss's wife just like that kind of just like yeah like as you uncover um, like what's really going on with with Eve and her weird fucked up childhood, and you're like, this feels like you know, like you could you could see Lynch shooting this, like these oh, yeah, like kind of sure. creepy houses, especially on like, the twins across the street. Yeah, the twins across yeah, the street, Lynchian for sure. Also, like kind of this um, his focus on like kind of monstrous childbirth, like yeah. like his focus on um, uh, kind of twisting that so that it's actually like something that can, uh, while seemingly is like is seen as miraculous is actually a lot more or it can have like these these monstrous qualities to it especially when is when this this object of rage and jealousy yeah, you know totally. when like a baby being born can like tear a tear a family apart totally i i mean I, it's interesting because the fiction if you want to just do almost like a filmic treatise of it mm-hmm. it wouldn't necessarily hold up like as yeah, I don't like oscar winning shit but again the form made it a really interesting story mm-hmm. 
more so than if it was ever told in a linear fashion. So like yeah. in that search query functional way, like this really improbable, really intensely specific set of events gains more of a lease on life. I yeah. think it's more interesting by proxy of you having to go for it. You uncovering it. I don't I'm not gonna like stoop to say it's the future of fiction because it's it's a form that's existed before. It's never been in I think our current like indie scene and like game consciousness level, it hasn't been done this well necessarily. Like yeah. where the fiction and the function really made a baby and like it was great. Yeah, I think I, mean, I think it's really just like a a great idea, like yeah. you know, a great execution of a of a really cool simple idea. Because there's been other detective games, right? Absolutely. But yeah, like you know, it compares very favorably to say *L.A. Noire*, which was like a detective game that in many ways failed to be a a evocative and um, compelling yeah. detective game because so much of it was was kind of held back by wanting to be a different game. Than well, yeah, and then at the end they defied themselves by that stupid fucking sewer flamethrower sequence where it's like mm. you made these rules where like Cole, the you know, in *L.A. Noire* was like this investigator and rising through the ranks and local crime and vice and all just like on the ascent as a cop and like solving these meta you know mysteries that through LA Tinseltown era but like at the end of it it defies all of its own conventions by like literally strapping a flamethrower in the dude's hand and being like go through the sewers and burn all the bad guys you're like that's not is this that game and rightly yeah. I'm really glad as preposterous as some of the sort of conceits of her story were mm -hmm. along the path of discovering this like crazy story she never turned into a monster you know she never like like yes it's lynchian but it's yeah. not cronenbergian it's not like yeah. didn't turn into a mutant fly and like monster her way through the you know the fiction absolutely yeah even though it's in the video game format it was acting more like you know mediocre tele like an x-files episode yeah. in some yeah. weird way yeah um, but which was really neat yeah an added pleasure of like being in control in my case 25 minute bursts of like sifting through that content and at some points, at some point during your twenty-five minutes, there was a kind of conclusion that you can you can sort of come to. Yeah. Uh, what the actual murder. Well, to to finalize the what I know of the narrative, the actual murder um, was uh, occurred because at some point Hannah found out that Eve was sleeping with Simon. I believe I believe Eve actually just told her that she was pregnant with Simon's baby. Yeah. So it was very. She found out by receiving the direct and complete story from Eve. Yeah. Uh, this was at, I believe, Simon's house, um, or at H Hannah and Simon's house, and um, Hannah was not pleased to hear this. She flew into a rage, um, and did she punch Eve or did Eve punch her? Oh, that fight between the sisters was not the penultimate. That was the penultimate fight, but it yeah. wasn't the final fight. No, it wasn't the final fight. Yeah. But there was there were blows exchanged. I found there were really blows exchanged between the yeah. sisters. Yes. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, we can come back to that. But uh, essentially, Eve, after this fight, was just very upset about it because she probably expected Hannah to be a little bit more pleased that they were going to have a baby together. Because Eve still felt probably more close to in their relationship in terms of like them being two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Eve leaves, goes to Glasgow, uh, drives to Glasgow to kind of get some air, um, some space from Hannah, gets into a minor car accident um, in Glasgow, I believe, or around that area, and checks into a hospital just to make sure that the baby who she was carrying at the time 
was fine, and she was. Meanwhile, back at the homestead, Simon comes back. It's Hannah and Eve's birthday, um, but mainly for him, Hannah. He he gives her a gilded mirror yep. uh, because his main profession is working as in metalwork and and uh, I think some kind of embroidery of metal and such mind you mirror reflection of fellow there's a bunch of these very heavy reflection references that are trying to like she never likes to look at herself in the mirror throughout the entire game um so he gives her a mirror as a present um that's embroidered and has um i think some some note written to her and says it's one of a kind yeah one of a kind and meanwhile and and you know or basically hannah comes to this decision to then try and impersonate Eve, uh, come back to the house later on it's with on Eve's wig. wig, which is which Simon had seen Eve wearing, and pretend to be her. Simon then proceeds to give her an identical copy of the of the mirror and proclaim his love to her. And this is too far for for uh, Hannah, and she uh, is upset, angered by upset enraged. by this, angered by Simon this. They get into a fight. The mirror smashes. And then Hannah, Hannah grabs a shard of the mirror yeah. and swipes his fucking throat open and kills Simon. Kills him dead. Kills him dead. And, and disposes yeah. of the body. So I think at this point, she calls Eve, who's in yeah. Glasgow. Um, Eve comes back to then help her dispose of the body because family still comes first. Yep. In Eve's eyes. Uh, she comes back, helps them, helps kind of create the alibi. Luckily, since Eve was in Glasgow and, I guess, operating under Hannah's identity, sure. uh, used that as an alibi to say that Hannah wasn't there at the time of the murder. And they hide Simon in the basement to be found later. And um, Murder, she wrote. They, they leave the, the, um, his watch with his body to like, show the time. Yeah. Um, I guess it had broken or something. Um, and yeah, and then those are pretty much the events that lead up to the beginning of our search or, right. or like when we start seeing these police interviews when, exactly. when the person claiming to be Hannah comes into the uh, police station so from what I can tell like the person being interviewed was almost the whole time was Eve except for like from, from what I can tell was except for when when the bruise was there oh I thought there was a pretty good split the dates I thought so too, but I was like kind of confused because like, if there was a split, then why did why did we not see the bruise in any other time? It was a if you looked at the timestamp, there was some separation I mm-hmm. think between the dates, so it was it was like, I think there was time for I, I feel like there may have been a pretty good division, but this is again the cool thing about this game is yeah. like we're no, I wasn't sure about that part. The way we're considering it, the, it it's funny because the way we talk about games usually. It's very interesting to think about the way we're talking about this game because we're so deep in the mechanics of the story mm-hmm. as the principality of like the meaning of the game. Yeah. And it's really it it's it's like a just conceit, like really arguing or thinking about like how we interpreted the story unfolding. It's a powerful moment for this as an interactive yeah. you know, piece of software. The like, most powerful, really. Yeah. It's yeah. like what an what a compelling way to like put a performance together or like a present a performance you know and that that is like a I don't know it's interesting because we have the Telltale games we have uh, Phoenix Wright as an investigation game that Sherlock game that you mentioned to me earlier L.A. Noir Um, L.A. Noir like there's all these different examples of a solve the mystery game Mm -hmm. and this comes on like a solve the mystery game but I think it's actually just like 
it's less of an actual video well it's a video game that is or it's a it's a interactive toy that's basically made to play curiosity like that's all you really are doing in this thing because there's no win state that tells you like you've solved this correctly on a meta level it's so great that it works that well in concert with its own mm -hmm. footage and with its mechanics that like it has allowed the imagination to really come to the forefront of the experience like yeah. yes all i need to do is like type words that will maybe return some new video clips or like type my way back to a video clip i've seen before to like clarify something i saw and that becomes compelling in this or more com it's there it's the greater than the sum of its parts and that's yeah, a really cool it's a cool moment it kind of makes me like wonder whether i might enjoy going back to parts of la noir because i remember like when i played at the time i so one of my big frustrations was the fact that the game did not let you be satisfied with your with the without with seeing the results of what you were doing. Yeah, um, you would basically have an inter interrogation, and at least for the first half of the game, at least, you, or certain parts of it, you would be able, you just, you just have to basically come to your own conclusion of what was the truth of the case, and it wouldn't tell you whether you're right or wrong. But wouldn't it give you? Wasn't there like a report card or something? Um, there I don't was, know that I right? There was some sort of like thing. There well, was, there was like, definitely like to spoil a little bit of it. There was like one um, path or one one particular part when you were thinking you're working for when you were working for murder or for whatever that murder department is called, and or you were a detective. And at the end of it, the, the sergeant was like, "Yeah, I just made up whatever. Like, I didn't really like. You probably put a lot of innocent people into jail, like just because like he didn't really follow up on the cases and." And didn't like really care whether or not like you were um, being an effective detective because like you you could you can basically accuse somebody of being guilty and then they would go to jail or go at least to trial and then they would be out of your hands in terms of, of the of the gameplay. Sure. As opposed to like kind of accusing somebody in the game being like wrong, go back and change it until you're right and like you know where most yeah. games will allow you to kind of kind of like do you try the same thing over and over again until you came to the right uh, to the I right see. answer. It let you go. Um, yeah. Forward in LA Noir. And but it what doesn't. I was also saying was that there was. was I don't like, remember there being report cards. Yeah, something that told you like if you had uncovered all of the mystery or something. They were like. I never finished it, so maybe oh, this happens toward yeah. the sorry, end. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Like I mean, part of it like I didn't ever finish it because I was so disappointed, like playing it, uh, of its lack of um, of transparency as a game, and I think like, I mean, her story is not transparent at all. Oh, no, and, and I think that's yeah. what's. Interesting. Like, I wonder if going back, I would actually like maybe enjoy it more. Like, with this in mind, and trying, and also like part of it was also like me trying out aspects of it that I could have completely ignored, like the driving, and <laughs> any of the side missions. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, you could skip and play a more traditional adventure game. Yeah. So yeah, I just like I just had that thought that it'd be interesting to go back, just like because I feel like I had brought a lot of baggage to the experience, like as you know, having played all the previous GTAs and then sure. being like, oh, GTA with detective work, that sounds interesting, but that's not how it should have been right. uh, presented to me. You know, in her story, I was approaching it from this case where I was like, oh, this is going to be an interesting experience. I hear, like, I hear this is very, like, experimental and, like, the, the manner of, of play, the manner of the presentation, the manner of your, like, exposure to it is all experimental and, like, new and, like, kind of... And so I didn't have a lot of expectations besides that. And I think that really like was beneficial to me enjoying the act of playing it because yeah. like I I wasn't I kind of I knew not to approach it thinking time to find 
crack the case, you know. Like try- run to a building yeah. and enter the building and then look for clues that are like glowing objects in yeah, the building. Yeah, exactly. They make a little chime when you walk over there. Yeah, you know, no. like I knew that wasn't going to happen. And, and, and also, like, what helped me, too, was playing um, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, which Sherlock was... Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective? Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Oh, my lord. It's a mouthful, but it's a great board game um, that came out, uh, I think, last year. And um, also, I think, out of the UK, which makes sense. I guess they're big on that. You gotta be, man. Um, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. It's their, it's their national hero. That's it. And that game, essentially is like the basically it it involves you playing the Sherlock Holmes's like main team Mm -hmm. and you get a case there's about 10 or 15 cases that come with the base game and the case involves uh, a brief a map of the city and a bunch of places you can can visit and then like a series of a newspaper some newspaper articles and a few Mm -hmm. and then like just like a book of clues and, and or a book of like people that you can interview to get oh, cool. clues it's really interesting because like that's all there is and then once once you read the brief to the people you're playing with you can then decide on who to visit and interview and the the main i mean the main thrust of the game or the main challenge of the game is is coming to the conclusion coming to a conclusion and pinning somebody in under a certain number of of interviews that's so cool. that's so you cool. can't kind of try and 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 like piece it together out of or like go to interview talk to the guy and get like the relevant information that will like then lead you to another really like valuable interview as, as opposed to like going to talk to somebody who's yeah, dead totally, end totally. which happened in her story a lot where you kind of would follow a thread there like oh, this thread is meaningless and then when we were playing Sherlock Holmes we, we actually didn't have we didn't give ourselves that limit the first time just because we were like let's just play solve this yeah, let's, let's, let's really solve it and yeah so we interviewed like, just like everyone we, we could um and it was great. It was really, really entertaining and like, and fun to do because we were just like, just sitting around, just like kind of exchanging notes and exchanging like ideas of like, of like what, you know, Colonel Cuthbert over here said about, <laughs> you know, the, the, the guy falling down in the alley, what kind of cigarette was on his body, what was he smoking? And you kind of like keep a note of that and like go interview the cigarette manufacturer or the store where he bought them from regularly Sweet. and like just like really cool little like stuff that makes you feel like a detective being a fucking detective like man. that's really what it is right it's like for her story it's like it's is the story is, is fine is serviceable toward the act of being a detective right. of making you feel like like how the batman games were the pr was like be the batman as like yeah. no like this like this is that but detective and like yeah, just for real detective. <laughs> and it's interesting too because yeah. like as you say it it's like be the detective in fact you were not even embodying a detective yeah, at the time yeah. as those you know fluorescent bulbs began to flicker more and more and as the face got more and more time you uncover a bunch of these videos um, and then a chat window pops up in the on the screen and as you're piecing together that you know they've been living this sort of like hidden life as twins filing in for each other kind of under Hannah's thing after they murder their husband um, Eve still has child Mm-hmm. And you come to realize that that face that's reflected in the glass of the of the screen, that like curved glass and CRT screen, is the same face that you're seeing in the interviews. It's their child, mm-hmm. um, and so you have been the child all along. Uh, you were as the many child years, all along. yeah, <laughs> as many years after as it would take her yeah. to become a you know mature enough woman that her face could resemble uh, her mother's. Her parents, yeah. Um, 
Is it is it assumed that the SB in the note is Simon Barlow? I mean, he's dead, right? Or does he survive? Not Simon. Simon, the director of, or the maker of the game. Oh, that that's interesting. Like he kind of inserted himself as like the friend of the of the daughter who has cool. like police information. Yeah, that, that that's that would be a great kind of almost Hitchcockian. Yeah, put like, yourself in it for a minute. Hideo Kojima just in style. the car, just being like, yeah, because yeah, he's right, like I'm the, in it. he brought you. Stephen King he like brought you as the player series, yeah. to the game as if he brought the daughter to the police station or the library. Yeah, like and he's sitting outside, just being like, let me know when you're done. Yeah. You know, did you find? I love that's like one of my favorite things, <laughs> the metafiction moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, and it's you know, like I was saying, like Hideo Kojima, Alfred Hitchcock, Pink Floyd, like they all like re- have referenced themselves in their own work mm-hmm. yeah. as like the creator and as the central focus, or a varying degree central focus. Sorry, uh, but yeah, the Pink Floyd. But kind I just love that move. It's great. Yeah. It's a really good fourth ball break. But yeah, so I mean, overall, I, I really enjoyed the game a lot. I thought it was a fantastic, you know, experience. Uh, yeah. It felt less like a structure, like a structuralist video game. It was more just like play for me, but it mm-hmm. was it was really good. It was, a, it was like an really interactive toy. Yeah, like kind of a, a story toy, a yeah, narrative it a story. Toy. It was a story toy. It was a story toy. I'd like to play it's some new genre story play toys. With some more story toys. I would too. Yeah. I think it's like first of all, it's great in the commute. Like I did, I did play it on both uh, on my uh, phone and at home, like on the, on the computer. And while it was, it was probably easier to use the computer just for the, the typing, yeah, sure. Um, it was still fun. It was still like I, I would definitely get sucked in while I was playing on my computer, commuter as well, where I'd be like, you know, almost missing my stop trying to find that next That's right. narrative thread, right? Like, yeah. so it was good for that, and it was yeah, I would definitely enjoyed it as well, and I I, I can't wait to see what he does next with uh, yeah. the medium and what what other people do next with it too, because sure. I think that's it's going to be a really interesting mechanic. Yeah, um, and just like kind of conceit for, for I mean, FMV games. Maybe they'll come back. You know, yeah. more in force now that we have actually an, a non non directly cheesy way to experience. That. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's true. Good yeah. point, man. Well, yeah. Thanks Sweet. everyone for listening to another episode. Yeah, man. And the of video course, game uh, Brian, old school Brian on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much again for the theme music. And yeah. thanks for listening in, everyone. We'll see you next time. Next time. Mm-hmm.